This podcast is part of the Bad Wolf Network. Visit badwolf.com for information on all other shows. Hello and welcome to episode three of Running Down Corridors. I'm Martin and on this episode, Sam is interviewing Jacob Hawley. Jacob is a stand-up comedian who has done a bit of acting recently in Doctor Who Redacted. And let's just jump straight into it. Don't send it. Kablam it. Kablam operates worldwide and in time. And remember, if you want it... Right, so we've got with us Jacob Hawley, who plays Jordan in Redacted. How are you doing, mate? You okay? Yeah, good. How are you, man? Yeah, all good. So we've known each other for a few years now, sort of through comedy and things like that. And I have to say, I was yeah. really jealous to see you've been cast in Doctor Who. How's it been so far? It was a really nice thing to be a part of. Nicely written. Um fun fun thing to make and then i think the reaction has been really good so far i think pe- people have enjoyed it it's obviously a bit different to what doctor who's covered in the past in terms of topics and that but i think the, the fans have gone with it and so yeah it's nice it's, it's it's not felt like a little you sort of worry with stuff like this that it's going to be a little side podcast that turns up and disappears no one listens to it and you know the, the people who actually enjoy the show aren't really asked whereas it feels like something people actually got behind which is nice it's a nice idea. I like the, the kind of the whole history of the show. It's, it's kind of like a, a podcast and it kind of makes sense in the way the amount of podcasts out there in real life that are about yeah. weird things that have happened, conspiracy theories and stuff. And the idea of yeah. the, the blue box being, it would be spotted that, you know, Doctor Who's been on the air for what, 50 years and it probably covers about 200 years throughout the whole show. So it would be spotted. And I like the idea of, it, it kind of being condensed to a to a to a podcast within the story. Um, I think and- I think it's quite a clever it's quite a clever sort of storytelling technique, isn't it, Sam? Like it, it's mm. sort of quite meta in a way. Yeah, it's, it is really. They they kind of tried to do that a, a few years ago with the, with an episode where they had kind of like a um a conspiracy group in the mm. in the show. There was an episode called Love and Monsters, which was quite a controversial episode. You either loved it or you hate it. A very Marmite episode, they call in Doctor Who. Um, which mm. actually leads me to my next question is how you, you are you were you aware of Doctor Who before? Had you seen it before? Were you a fan? My era of Doctor Who would have been the David Tennant years. I'm not gonna try and pretend that it's something that I watched every every mm. Sunday, but it, like it's it's something that I haven't watched in a few years. And it was only when I was doing when we were making it. And we were doing certain episodes that haven't come out yet. I don't think I'm giving anything away, but it's like, it gets like scary. It gets like mm. fucking scary. <laughs> and, and you remember, you go, oh yeah, this, this it is something that you didn't watch when you were nine because mm. it was like fucking spooky. That was like my era was, was coming up with David Tennant. I think it's probably probably like the best one of the modern era, right? The best best doctor of the modern era, David Tennant. Yeah, a lot of people say that. He was very popular. The, the show was certainly in the UK, probably pulling in the most ratings when, when he was uh, at the helm of the TARDIS. Did you have any memories of anything scary from watching it when you were a kid any monsters any- I, don't, I don't i don't remember that in particular but, but I, just, I think the the reason i liked it and i think the reason i'm so glad to be a part of it is is it's so british and it's so <laughs> nice seeing like actors and performers from from other 
you know, th- like from films and stuff, and like everyone has done a bit of Doctor Who. Do you know what I mean? A- every good British actor has been in an episode or has been a monster. It feels almost like a little bit of a rite of passage, and it's it's very BBC. Do you know what I mean? It, you, you could never imagine Doctor Who on any other channel, right? It's all, it's a very sort of BBC thing, and so I do love how British it is, and it's it's it's. Like I say, it's Nick. I can't sit and pretend that it's something that I've watched every every night for years. Um, it's not so. It's not something I've watched for a while after, after Peter Capaldi took over. But it's something I think is so distinct as a show that as soon as you start watching one, you're like, oh, okay, I get what this is. It's, it's a bit silly. It's a bit camp. It's also quite mm. scary, and it's just got its own little language. Yeah, I mean, you're right. What you said there about the the, the various actors who have come in. Over over the many years, I mean, the, the sort of time where well, you remember it, you had you know veteran actors coming in like Anthony Head, Michael Gambon, people like that. But you also had actors who'd go on to be massive, like Andrew Garfield was in an episode back then. Kerry Mulligan, you know, huge Hollywood actors. And you've now joined the cast in Redacted, and yeah. uh, you know, I've I've said to you off there because I'm I'm uh, obviously people who listen to the podcast know I'm a, I'm a big big fan, been a fan since I was three years old. Classic series, new series all of it and now obviously the podcast series and i sort of said to jacob jacob you don't know what you've got into here son because your character is going to be it's going to be wikipedia tardispedia gallifrey base it's gone into this huge world now this huge Mm. history of the show that's been you know since 1963 and these characters mean a lot to everyone you've got Obsessive fans, not too different to me, who like to nitpick everything and find the continuity of it. Like you do with, I suppose, Star Wars, or you think about things I know you're really into, things like The Sopranos. There are people who are going to remember your lines forever. There's people going to know your character forever. How do you feel about joining this legacy? It's quite intimidating. You know, I I was, I'm obviously aware of how popular it is. And and it's not just how popular it is in the sense of how many people are into it. But as you say, it's something that when people get their teeth into it, they get really into it. And so it means, you know, as, as you say, it's like, and, and it, you know, I, I sort of said already, like, I, I wasn't sure this this would sort of get as much attention as it did and, and, and be as popular as it is. But, you know, you, you are aware that, like, if this goes well, you're like, oh, God, people are going to remember these lines for a while. People are going to remember the bit when certain things happen and blah, blah, blah. And it's like, you, you do have to do that justice. And I'm not an actor. So it... And I, I was in the room with, you know, Lose, who's 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 actually been in Doctor Who. Or, you know, there, there's, there's a couple of other people who've done stuff like that. And you go, oh, you guys are fucking actors. You know what you're doing. And you do have to kind of, you know, I'm, I'm just a comedian. I, I was, I was, you know, do, doing the recording and then running out to go and do gigs and stuff. And so you, <laughs> you do put a bit of pressure on yourself and go, well, I've got to do this properly. I've got to pull my weight and not be the, the missing link in this, especially because Jordan's quite an integral part of the series. He really is. I mean, um, as we record this, I've listened to two episodes and the mm. second episode, not to give anything away, does end with a real cliffhanger. But as you were talking there about iconic characters, you are in a scene with Rani, who was from the Sarah yes. Jane Adventures, which was a yeah. whole spin-off show about possibly the most iconic companion ever in the show's history. And she was in it in the 1970s. And so there's this kind of long link where you come back. And, and of course, you're, um, and that's um, and, uh, Anjili, uh, who you're in with. And then obviously, Jodie Whittaker's in this as well, the, the actual doctor, the current doctor, as we record this. So it's, it is it is a, a, a big thing. Um, was, was there any kind of, like you said, you're not an actor, but was there any nervousness 
coming into the role. Yeah, definitely. I mean, you, you just don't want to get shown up. And, and as you say, that there's Jodie Whittaker's involved, and Angie was amazing. Like, mm. She's incredible. You know, if if you listen to that second episode and and her bits in it, they're they're not easy bits. It's, it's big old chunks of text, you know, and it is. And and she she's having to straddle a line between there's bits that are a bit funny, there's bits where she's genuinely quite sort of scary and and serious. And so it, you know, you you you're watching people like that, and you're going like, oh, I don't I don't want to be the fucking the <laughs> the idiot in this. I I don't, I don't want to be the dunce, and so. You have to pull your weight, and you have to kind of, you know, learn the lines, really think about it, make your notes on scripts and think. And but also the directors were great, the producers were great. They were really good. And Juno, who wrote it, she was on the records, and so you had a really good kind of sounding board of people there who who wouldn't let you fuck up. Even if you'd done a take that you thought had gone right, but you've hit the wrong note. They would, they would say to you, oh, look, let's do that again, but try and do this a bit more, try and do that a bit more. Or if you if if they thought you'd done all right, but you were like, like there was times when I was like, oh, I'm, no, I've not done that. And you, you could just stick your hand up and go, look, can I have another go? And everyone, all the actors and everything were very understanding of going, right, let's let's give it one more. They were quite good at not going, oh, right, there's some fucking idiot comedians in. And, and you know, let's, let's have it right. It's it's. I don't doubt that it had something to do with it being a BBC thing. It's gone out on BBC Sounds and I've done a few series that were made by BBC that have gone out on sound. So I think there's probably a part of it being a part of the casting was, you know, Jacob's a sort of voice who's done that channel a bit. I mean, I do, I do the adverts for BBC Sounds at the moment. So it's like, I don't think I got picked for my acting abilities, you know what I mean? <laughs> but it's, it's, it was, it was, they, they were very patient and very supportive in, in the sort of process of making it. No, well, it's, it's, it, I think it was an excellent casting. I'm not just saying that because I know you. First and foremost, just to say about Angelie's character, Rani, I mean, that's a big deal, her return. Uh, we're not giving away anything there. She's been confirmed in the cast. You know, her return, she's not been in this, involved with the show, I think, since 2010, 2011. So this is a yeah. long, old wait. People have people really care about seeing this character again. It's quite a nice thing. And I'm sort of, I'm sort of off air. I was telling Jacob a little bit about the show and, you know, what it means to fans. You know, there are kids who would have watched her in, in 2010 2011 in the Sarah Jane Adventures who are now in their 20s maybe even pushing 30 who are going to tune in because they want to know what happened next to the character including myself you know it's it's really yeah. exciting it's really exciting let's talk about your character Jordan so you obviously have got a, a role there this bit I, I saw there was a lovely bit of praise for your your role on Twitter about the being the supportive brother um mm. to a trans sister what were your thoughts when you initially saw the character, saw maybe the first couple of lines, and how did you approach that role? It's going to sound a sort of daft thing like when people go, oh, I don't see colour, but it's one of those things where, you know, in terms of like him, Jordan being a, a sort of supportive brother to Cleo hmm. in regards to Cleo being trans or blah, blah, blah. The, the, the trans thing is, is only really relevant in the sense that that, and I don't think I'm giving anything away now, but that that, that was a friction that Cleo had with their mum. And so Jordan kind of looked after her through that. But but he's, he's as much of a sort of supportive brother because, you know, Cleo's a bit fucking daft, does this stupid conspiracy podcast, doesn't really have a job. And he, he's, you know, a grafter and he's gone out and, you know, he works and he's got his own place and stuff. So it's like, in terms of like reading the character and stuff, it's sort of, I can relate to it in terms of my own sister. Not that my own sister's <laughs> trans or anything, but it's just, it's just like I look after yeah. my sister in the same way. You know, I'd, I'd back my sister if, if anyone was doubting her based on her identity. And also, my, my sister's a bit fucking lazy as well. So it's, it's sort of like, <laughs> it, it's, it's an easy enough thing to relate to. And I think that yeah. kind of, he's, he's obviously someone who 
probably from a similar background to myself and blah 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 and so it's, it's, it's not too difficult a thing to relate to there's some really funny lines coming up in this series about him understanding Cleo and, and her identity and her sexuality and things like that it's kind of the way that I do I've, I've had conversations with friends of mine who are trans and the way that I'd understand those matters in the sense that I'm not an expert, I'm not overly well informed on those matters, but you know, I, I try and approach it with a kind of open mindedness and, a, and a, a progressive view of trying to accept people for who they are, even though I might not always say the right thing at the right time. If that makes mm. sense. No, absolutely. And I, what I really love about the character is and this is maybe kind of proof that um, Jordan completely accepts his sister for who she is. He's made out to be a mummy's boy. And what I find quite sweet about that is that you're a bit of a mummy's boy, seem to be able to be convinced to do this, that and the other by the mother. And you get accused of that by Cleo. Oh, you're a mummy's boy or whatever. But at the same time, Cleo is, uh, as you said, a sort of a lazy sister staying at your flat, Jordan's flat. But she still seems to boss him about, which I find quite funny. So yeah, yeah, it's, comes it's into dynamic, your flat, open the window, your, your trainers stink, turn that telly down, whatever, when, when Jordan's playing Call of Duty. And I kind of like that not only is he a, a mummy's boy, he's, he's happy to get bossed around by his sister who's living in his flat rent-free. Yeah, but she, she's she's quite bolshy, so she kind of assumes that almost maternal dynamic immediately. Do you know what yeah. I mean? She'll, she'll, she'll turn up and be his fucking mum as well. So it's, yeah, it's I feel great. for him sometimes because it... I almost read the character. I was like, oh, "Just get a fucking girlfriend, mate. Get get these <laughs> mums and sisters out of your life and get your own life." But he, he's, he's, I think he's a very sweet character in that sense. That he's he's very yeah. family oriented. Well, that's the thing because there's a couple of lines in there where he he could come across a bit unlikable. Again, don't worry, guys. This isn't any huge plot reveal here. And it's that bit when he he fights the Dalek. And I'm joking. I'm joking. I'm joking, guys. Uh, no, it's the bit where he um he comes in. He's kind of yeah. I've picked up all these girls' numbers. And when he tries to sort of flirt every now and then, you play it so nicely that you wouldn't turn around and go, oh, toxic male or whatever. It's okay. done in a very kind of like almost the kind of a, a ironic way that you still make the character likable. The thing is nowadays, it's you, you often read these kind of like. Oh, we've written a working class character, and don't worry, they're perfect. Mm. And it's like, well, they're fucking not. And it's, it's, you know, I get, I get. This is, you know, in the last five years, this has become a thing now where working class people are treated like a fucking minority that need to be tiptoed around. It's like <laughs> give them the agency of letting them be monsters as well, because most mm. of them fucking are, and and <laughs> they've every right to be. Jordan, amongst my mates from home, would be the the most fucking, you know, well spoken, yeah. <laughs> like. <laughs> He's incredibly well behaved for a scaffolder. Do, do you know he what is, I mean? Yeah, he is. He is. He, he's the most progressive scaffolder I've ever read on page. But it's also real because, as you say, he talks about going and meeting girls and he talks about chatting girls up. And it's like, well, you know, that's that's what scaffolders do. It's, you know, you, you can you can try and draw these kind of working class characters where, you know what, they're not all pigs, actually. It's like, well, yeah, but some of them are. There's nothing wrong with portraying that. I get a lot of these scripts through and you read them and it's like, you know, it's, it's often the scaffold and it's often this, that, the other. And there's this kind of modern thing of trying to turn them into like angels and go, oh yeah, they're, they're all incredibly, you know, woke and progressive and blah, blah. It's like, well, yeah, but they're not. There's reasons that they're not. And it was, I think, I think Gina did a really good job of writing a character who maybe is flawed in some of, some of his politics, maybe doesn't always say the right thing, but you, you can tell that his intentions are, are good. And so it's easy to get along with. I was really pleasantly surprised by how the characters jumped out straight away. Um, there has been a little bit of criticism from the later series under Chibnall that characters have been a little bit 2D. We haven't got to know them. We've had to kind of be told who they are. 
instead of being just shown and i feel like yeah you do have to do that little bit with audio because you don't get the visuals you do have to do a little bit of that which is what doc two fans are used to used to anyway um for many years of big finish which which is a, a company who've been doing yeah. official doc two audios for, for years um but i still feel like there's a there's an there wasn't like oh you're this person and i do this and you do this and we need to go here because i'm the sort of person who does that it, it came out very naturally you know i like i like the idea that you completely got who cleo was from kind of being a little bit disinterested in the podcast and going guys i'm just here for the sass like from just yeah. that line i was like oh i get this character and i know who this character is yeah. going to be and what and what she's going to do for the remainder of the series i get it and same with you as well the way you kind of are a little bit moody when she comes in kind of bossing you about you're like well i'm just trying to play call of duty i'm just trying to get on with it really. yeah. you kind of want it just an easy life but you're very protective yeah. um so it's, it's it's really lovely some really lovely characters in there i think it's um the nice character dynamics as well and i it was a very easy thing to play and i think i think i think when it is like touching on topics of you know, you've got trans characters and stuff like that. It kind of has to be a bit three dimensional. Do you know what I mean? It can't. It can't be too two D. Otherwise, you're not you're not giving those topics the, the service that they do deserve. Absolutely, man. Yeah. Well, it's, it, I've really enjoyed it, um, and I look forward to the the rest of the series. We've got a couple of questions from some listeners. If you're happy to, uh, I think one of you kind yeah, of already answered. Uh, one's from Jessica, who asks, uh, "Who is your favourite Doctor Who?" I, yeah, I'll go David Tennant. David Tennant was the one I grew up with, and and, it, and it's still you know you know like when you, you know when you close your eyes and someone says Doctor Who, who do you picture? Mm. It's David Tennant for me. You see it in so many different medias now. You have like your Doctor Who, you have your James mm. Bond, your Batman, and your Spider-Man. Who's your, who's your James Bond? Pierce Brosnan. Yeah, same. Yeah. yeah. I know he gets he gets a bad rap, Pierce Brosnan, but he's my favourite. Yeah, he does. GoldenEye's my favourite Bond film by mile. Yeah, same. Same. I'd, I'd say GoldenEye. And, and it... And it but because because that's the one I've grown up with, I look at Daniel Craig and I'm like, ah, oh, he's not, he's not, he's not classy and suave enough. Mm. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. But it, it's it's just that thing of like, if you grow up with with someone playing that role, it, they'll always be your one. You know. There's quite sometimes there's a misconception that the later Doctors are are, are are really unpopular. But the fact of the matter is, you know, the the show was probably at its biggest around the David Tennant era, and and a lot of yeah. people were young back then. They were young when that show came out and so you're always going to remember that doctor is your favorite and you're never going to quite warm to the later ones you know because you might say on paper oh you know well skyfall is definitely a better film than you know world is not enough but if you watch world is not enough in the cinema when you're 11 years old it's going to have a completely different impact on you to when you're older always always another question we've got is from i'm not going to use the username from tom who is would you like to see jordan in the television series if I was to make some predictions, it's that at the very least, Juno, the writer of Redacted, will go on to write some uh, TV episodes. Right. I've got no doubt about that. I think Charlie, who plays Cleo, should be in Doctor Who, even if it's just a, as a cameo, as a sort of Easter egg mm. for the Redacted fans. Whether Jordan would make it with her, I don't, I don't know. But I, I, de- I definitely think Juno deserves to write one and Charlie deserves to perform in, in an episode. I'd, I'd, I'd love to do to get Jordan on screen. But I mean, look, you, you're going to have to wait and see what happens to Jordan in the rest of the series. We've got one more question that I missed. <laughs> Um, this yes, is me. from this is from Ella, podcast producer and director of Doctor Who Redacted. <laughs> yes, who asks, uh, "What's it like being Cleo's younger brother?" She also adds, "Hi, Jacob." <laughs> Hello, Ella. Um, thank you for the job. 
<laughs> it how what was it like being Cleo's little brother? It's, it's nice. It's it, it's it's a nice thing as you kind of alluded to earlier. You kind of, you, at one point you feel like the older brother, at one point you feel like the younger brother because he's, he's simultaneously very protective, but then also she bosses him around and stuff. And I think the dynamic about the mum and what happened with their dad and stuff like that is quite a fun thing to play with. So it was very, very, very fun being Cleo's little brother. Excellent. I, I feel like you have answered that a, a few times this this evening, but it was great to have the question directly from the producer. Uh, and from Ella. She, yeah, yeah. Uh, she's actually followed it up with, Jacob is an absolute delight and amazing as Cleo's brother, Jordan. I'm so excited oh, to, to have you well, on. Well, so. listen, if she has any, if she has any say in it, maybe Jordan will go on TV. Who yeah, knows? I'd love, mate. I I would love it, but also I would die of jealousy. Uh, if the Daleks <laughs> don't exterminate you, I'll get there first, mate. I'll well, listen, get there first. Maybe they already have. <laughs> oh, spoilers. That's a quote he won't get. But uh, yeah, um, Jacob, thanks for thanks for coming on, running down corridors. It's been an absolute honour to, to to be one of the. I think maybe one of the first independent podcasts to speak to you about Doctor Who. Yeah. Thanks, man. Thank you very much for having me on. I really, really appreciate it. I appreciate it. Now, guys, listen, not only is he, a, is he a great brother, but he is also a fantastic comedian. Go and check out his stuff uh, at Hawley Jacob on Twitter. He's done a podcast as well already for BBC Sounds, which is uh, Jacob Hawley on drugs, which is really good to listen to. It's done very, very well. And have you got any more of those coming up, actually? Or, uh, none of no, not those ones. But there's a there'll be a new series coming out in June on a slightly different topic. Awesome! And as you all guys know, I love to alienate all the listeners of this podcast by dropping in football analogies. Last time it was all about uh, the thirteenth Doctor and Yasmin being the Lampard and Gerard of the Doctor Who universe. Uh, so I'll just let you know for those of you who are football fans, Martin, who actually is the producer of our podcast, he is an Arsenal fan. He is an Arsenal oh, yeah. fan. Uh, so he was very pleased to hear you support the Gunners. And he is, uh, as well, he's now doing a football podcast for joe.co.uk as well. So there's loads of places you can find Jacob. And I, I, I believe this is right. Is it jacobpaulie.co.uk as well? Your website yeah. to find you on? I need, I need to sort that out, actually. Really. Yeah, you've got to go on there, mate. You doc, you've got to get all the Doctor Who stuff on there now. It's, it's got to go. <laughs> it's, we're talking like TARDIS gifts flying around, Daleks, yeah, Cybermen yeah. everywhere. He has no idea I'll what I'm you. talking about. But the, the cursor <laughs> the cursor will become a little Dalek moving across the screen when you go on Jacob Boy. Yeah. <laughs> well, look, mate, when, when you get around to getting to all these conventions and stuff, if you ever get any uh, difficult questions i'm always at the end of the phone you know um, excuse me jacob um i was just wondering if jordan had any relation to the character in season 26 episode <laughs> four survivor uh from i'm just calling you under the desk i'm calling you being like please fucking ask this for me <laughs> oh nice well great to catch up with you mate and well done on redacted i've absolutely loved it so far can't wait for the rest of the season Thank you, my man. Okay, how great was that? Thanks to Jacob for being so generous with his time. Please go and listen to Doctor Who Redacted, and I will put the links to all of Jacob's websites and various different projects in the description down below.